You know, one thing I love about what we get to do here, one thing I love about what God has called me to do, what I'm thankful that God has called me to do, one thing I love about ministry and church life, if you will, is we get to see lives changed. You know, not a lot of people get to see dead people come to life, spiritually speaking. You know, Jesus didn't come to make bad people a bunch of good people. You know that, right? He didn't come to make wrong people right people. Jesus came to make dead people living people. And we actually get to see that on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis. And that's one thing I love about my job. It's one thing I love about my calling. It's one thing I love about being a Christian and being a part of a body of Christ, a part of a local church, a local gathering of believers who meet together and pray together and worship together and want to serve the kingdom of God together. One thing I love is I get to see, you get to see, we get to experience firsthand lives being changed. Change is inevitable. Change is anticipated. Change is expected. But please don't ever forget this. Change is one thing that will never change. It is going to happen. I look back over my life and I think of the different moments in my life, experiences in my life where I've changed, where something has happened to me or I've done something and something has changed. And today we're going to talk about that change, but it's not a, it's not a physical change though we all go through those. It's not a technological change, though I remember the day when my dad had a bag phone sitting on, up on top of his dashboard, and it was like a little small gym bag with a t- house telephone, and nowadays we have smartphones, right? They have internet access and anything you can imagine. But we're not talking about technological, technological change today. We're not talking about economical change. Though my grandmother, just a couple weeks ago, I was sitting there talking to my grandmother, um, who's in her 90s, and she said, David, I remember when a gallon of milk was 10 cent, when a gallon of gas was 6 cent, and when the Coca-Cola was two cent, right? I don't remember those days, right? It just doesn't happen, but the economics have changed through the years, but we're not talking about those kind of changes today. Not talking about political change, not talking about a physical change. We're talking about a spiritual change today. In 1996, I gave my life to Jesus Christ because I had Christian parents that took me to church and taught me the Bible, and I remember going down the aisle in 1996 at Yatesville Baptist Church, and my daddy had this huge Bible. It had to be as big as this speaker right here. I mean, it was just a massive Bible, right? Extra large print. And, and his huge hands were just go, taking me through the Romans Road. And I remember being a little eight-and-a-half-year-old boy sitting there at the altar. My dad is pointing me to the Romans Road, telling me about sin and telling me the repercussions of sin and telling me how if I call on Jesus that I can be saved. I remember that in 1996. I remember giving my life to Jesus. It wasn't a magical prayer, but it was a prayer of faith and a prayer of hope, and it was a true, genuine prayer of my heart. God, come into my life to be my Lord and be my Savior. Help me to live for you all my days. In Jesus' name, amen. It was that simple, guys. Shame on us for overcomplicating the gospel. But I remember that in 1996, and I left that day. That day I left forever changed. Though I was eight and a half years old, I haven't really experienced a whole lot of sin other than stealing and punching my brother and lying to my parents and things like that. But I was guilty of those sins. But in 1996, my life went through a transformation. I became a child of the living God. Heaven forever is my home. And I left that day with the Holy Spirit taking up residence in my heart. And I was forever changed in 1996. Fast forward to 2006. 2006, I was a senior in high school. Went to this beautiful campus right here, Upson Lee High School. Very proud to be a knight. 
I was praying and asking God my senior year as a football player because the, the, the coach, Coach Mike Majors, gave us this piece of paper and he said, here, fill this out. There's senior night coming up in a couple weeks on a Friday night where we're going to bring you out on the field and we're going to tell everybody your name and where you're going to school and what you're going to do with your life. Here, fill this paper out and turn it in next week. And I'm just going frantic. Lord, God, what do you want me to do? I thought I was going to work at Home Depot and work my way up or work at Tideway because I like working there too or, 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 or take over my dad's carpet cleaning business or be a construction worker or at one point in time I wanted to be an orthodontist. How random is that? I don't know, but I married a beautiful dental hygienist, so I guess that works out. But, um, you know, all these things I thought about what do I want to do with my life. And I began to pray and I began to ask God, Lord God, what do you want me to do with my life? And I remember I was leaving First Baptist Church of Thomaston. It was about 7.15 in the evening because we just got done with our evening service. And I was driving home on 36, coming up the road. And, and Peach Belt was right to be there on the right with the Armstrong's lead. I was coming up that hill. I could see top of the house. And, and God just, it was a beautiful sunset, beautiful sunset. I just got chills all over my body. And I just began to cry. I just began to weep driving my truck. And I've, no clue, I've never cried before, especially driving my jacked up F-250. What am I crying about? Man, the mud hole was dry, <laughs> okay, you know. I mean, I have no clue why I was crying, but I just started weeping and crying because I knew that God had impressed upon my heart to serve him for all the rest of my days. No backup plan, no retirement plan. I'm not going to get a backup degree and fall on that in case the ministry doesn't work out. I'm going to preach the gospel till I don't have any more breath in my lungs. And I began, and I just began just thinking about the things of God. What am I going to do in my life? And I just felt the Lord impress upon me to go into ministry. To, to minister to people, to love people as a vocation. And forever my life changed to that moment. Fast forward to 2008. I prayed the most dangerous prayer I ever prayed. My daddy told me to pray it, but he said, don't pray it until you're ready. He said, tell the Lord, Lord, I'll say whatever you want me to say, and I'll go wherever you want me to go. Three weeks later, God shipped me off to Bible college. <laughs> Left, I had to quit my job. I had to quit where I was working, move out of my house, move down to, to Bible college, which is where my, my daddy went back in the 80s. It was a different name, but it was still the same college. And it, my life forever changed. Spiritually, God was pushing me to grow faster than I thought I could. But I left the comfort zone. I left my parents. I left my home. I left my job. And forever, my life changed at that point. I really had to pray, God, give me faith to trust what you say, that you're good, right? Just like the song we were just singing. Fast forward to... 2011, I went into a grocery store to buy some donuts and Oreos and milk, and I saw this beautiful red-headed checkout clerk, and I went through her checkout line, and my life forever changed. I was hooked on day one, right? Just loved Catherine, fell in love with her from day one. Last night I called her, I said, baby, you're my, you're my Krispy Kreme. She's like, what are you talking about? I said, you're my Krispy Kreme because you're hot and holy. I just love you, right? Just love you. Hey, she's pregnant. I need all the bonus points I can get right now. Come on. All right. Listen. Listen. But in 2012, when we got married in October 2012, my life spiritually forever changed. We became one flesh. Forever my life had been changed. And again, we're talking about spiritual change here, guys. We're not talking about physical change. We're not talking about economics or politics. We're talking about an inward change, an inward change that it has a result of an outward change, but it starts inside. But forever, I was changed in 2012 when I got married. 2014, we started this journey called Northridge Church. I know Pastor Mark and other people, that their, their lives were forever changed. Me personally, I was stretched beyond I thought I could stretch. 
God was drastically making me change, drastically making me grow, drastically drawing me closer to him that I'd never felt before. But I went through a transformation. That's what we're talking about today because we say change, we, we all this stuff about change, but the Bible calls it being transformed. The Bible calls it transformation. If you have your Bibles, go to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. If you don't have your Bibles, we're going to put it up on the screen for you. But I could personally go on and on and on, different instances in my life, circumstances in my life, where my life forever was changed, where I went through a transformation process, and so could you. You could, you could list A, B, C, D, E, all the way of different moments in your life where you felt like you had an inward change in your heart, an inward change in who you were. But today I want to talk about that change. The Bible calls it being transformed. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says, Therefore... I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be, everybody say transform. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His perfect, good, pleasing will. Father God, Lord, this morning, God, our prayer is that we see life change. But God, not in other people, in ourselves. God, I pray, Lord, this morning, God, that you would draw me closer to you. God, that you would prune me of anything in me, God, that's not of you, that doesn't glorify you. God, move it out of the way. Rebuild me, God, to look like your son, Jesus. God, I pray, Lord, that today that we realize, God, we can leave out of here a different person than the person we came in. We can choose today to change, but it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray, Lord, that you would lift the head, God, of those that may be struggling with depression. God, remind them to look to the hills, to where their help comes from. It comes from you. God, I pray, Lord, for those that have suffered loss in the recent days or weeks, of a, love, of, a, of a loved one or a family member, God, I pray you would minister to them only in a way that you can. Give them peace, God, knowing that you have this under control. Grow their faith, God, during this difficult, difficult time. God, I pray for our congregation here, God, that you would continue to shape us and mold us into the people of God that you want us to be, not who we think we should be. God, we love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody say amen. The first characteristic of this change that I want to talk about today, everybody say change. The first characteristic is change is possible. When I read the New Testament, especially when I read this verse, especially when I read Romans, I immediately just big words pop up out of the page that says change is possible because we're looking at the Apostle Paul who wrote the book of Romans. How many of you know the Apostle Paul's testimony? You know his story. You've read the Bible. He was a killer of Christians, persecuted Christians, and now he is the one who's writing two-thirds of the New Testament that we hold dear and true to our hearts. Change is possible. If the Apostle Paul can change, so can you. So can I. Change is possible. The very fact that Paul says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but, check out the conjunction there, but be transformed means that change is possible. It is possible to change. You don't have to leave today being the same person as you were when you came in today. Today, you can choose to change. Change is possible for you. 
You don't have to keep continuing on the same cycle, the same sins, the same addictions, the same problems that you've always had. You today, through the power of the Holy Spirit of God, you can leave changed. The English word for what we call the, the Greek word for transformed. Again, everybody say transformed. The Greek word there is metamorpho. Metamorpho. Immediately when I said that, you jumped to the English translated word, right? It's metamorphosis. Metamorphosis, being going from an immature form to a mature form. Like a tadpole, tadpole goes through metamorphosis, right, to become a frog, right? A caterpillar goes through metamorphosis to become a beautiful butterfly. I love the, the passage that Pacey, thank you so much, Pacey, read this morning after the offering. If you heard it, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it says this. You don't have to turn there, but jot it down. 2 Corinthians 3, 18. We are being transformed into his likeness with an ever-increasing glory. Don't miss that. Don't miss it. 2 Corinthians 3.18. We Christians are being transformed. It is an event, but it's also a process. When I got saved in 1996, that was an event that changed my life. But being sanctified, being made holy, being made righteous to God through Jesus is a process. Just like a tadpole goes through a process to become a frog, caterpillar goes through a process to become a beautiful butterfly. Radical change is what we're talking about, but we are being transformed into his likeness with an ever-increasing glory. And of that principle that change is possible, knowing that we can be transformed, we can go through a metamorphosis in our hearts and in our mind, spiritually we can be a new creation, the Bible calls it. Church ought to be the one place where people know and they can hear and they can see the glory of God, the hope of people. We can smile, we can be excited, and we can say, hey, change is possible for you. You say, David... I'm not going, I'm, life is really tough right now. I'm really not trucking along, you know, firing on all cylinders. There's a lot of stress in my life. There's a lot of sins that I'm committing or that I'm struggling with. But please make no mistake about it. There is a God in heaven and there are God's people here in this congregation that are committed and dedicated to seeing your transformation in your life. There is a God in heaven who is committed to see your transformation and we here at Northridge Church, we are a congregation of people who want to love God and we want to reach his people. We are dedicated to see your transformation. Said so David, there's no hope for me. Yes, there is hope for you. His name is Jesus. It's not Northridge. It's not wherever you go or whoever you know. It's all about King Jesus, period. Back when I went to Bible college, there was a town about 30 minutes away called Dothan. And when I first got down there, I was church shopping, right? Trying to find the perfect church. Where can I go where I love the worship, I love the preaching, I love the people, right? And I come to find out there is no place where I love the preaching, love the people, love the worship, except here. I love, I love everybody here. Uh, but, you know, I was church shopping, if you will, right? Trying to find the perfect place for a person who is not, okay? Well, I went to this church, and it was kind of dark and gloomy, and no one shook my hand when I walked in. I just kind of sat down by myself, and, you know, just not a whole lot was happening. Not a whole lot was going on. They got up and sang, and it was this slow, dreary funeral song, right? And I was just like, oh, gosh, I'm bored out of my mind, right? And the guy got up and preached, and there was just no passion in his heart. There's just nobody was responding. Nobody was smiling. And I left that place, and then I went to a restaurant down the road to eat lunch because we all eat after church. And, man, I walked in the restaurant. It was lit. I mean, it was just, oh, it was just, I mean, it was beautiful, man. I mean, it was, the lights were shining. People were smiling. People were high-fiving me. I was like, man, what is this, the grand opening? I mean, it was just killer, man. It was awesome. People, the lady at the front desk was like, good morning, good evening, sir, good afternoon, sir. What would you like today? We're here to serve you. I'm like, okay, cool. People were high-fiving me, shaking my hand. Music was playing over the loudspeaker. I was like, man, 
After attending the church that morning and attending the restaurant that afternoon, if the restaurant would have gave an invitation, I would have joined the restaurant, Pastor Mark. I would have. But see, church is the place where, doggone it, man, some of y'all, I mean, come on, we got to smile, we got to be happy, realize the hope of glory is in our life. Some of you guys look like you just found out that your dog got hit by a Walmart truck. I mean, come on. It's okay to be happy. It's okay to smile, to high-five somebody. You can hug somebody, and you can let people know that, hey, change is possible for you. You can change through the power of the Holy Spirit, inviting him into your life and living for him. So, David, I have nothing to offer God, though, David. I'm living in sin, or I have nothing to offer him. I have no gifts, no talents, no abilities. I feel like I'm empty on the inside, David. How can God change me? How can God use me? How is change possible for my life? It is possible. The womb of Sarah, check this out. The womb of Sarah was barren, cannot produce children, right? But when Abraham prayed and offered it to God, it produced a nation. The mouth of Moses, he said, oh, I can't talk, right? I lack the eloquence, right? I lack the speaking ability. But he said that he would serve God, and then God used that mouth to be the spokesperson to Pharaoh, to the children of Israel, to, for their deliverance out of Egypt. God can use you. God wants to use you. Change is possible for you. The second characteristic of this change that I'm talking about, number one, change is possible. Number two, change is personal. Everybody say change is personal. It's a personal response to God. I love, I love it. Let's just go back and read. Second, excuse me, chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Did you check out the personal pronouns there? Let me read it again. Therefore, I urge, if I say you, Brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Guys, King James Version, I love KJV because it says that this is your reasonable service. This is your act of word. This is your reasonable. This is, in other words, the word reasonable there is logikos, where we get our word logical. So this is your logical. This is the most logical, the most rational, the most reasonable thing you can do because God has delivered you because of his mercy out of sin and he has set you free. The most reasonable thing you can do, the most logical thing that you can do with your life is to offer yourself to God. Offer it to him. Say, Lord, use me. Here I am, God. Send me. That's the most logical thing that we can do is to offer our life to the God who can change it. Somebody say amen. This is a personal change, and it starts with a personal response. The first word, everybody say, therefore. One thing I learned in Bible college was kind of a joke, but a guy said it, and he said, well, every time you're in Scripture, you see a therefore, you got to stop and ask yourself, what is it there for? Okay? Romans chapter 1, verses, chapter 1 through chapter 11 is what the Apostle Paul is referring back to. You don't start a thought with therefore, right? You use therefore when you're talking about or referring to a previous thought. So the Apostle Paul here is saying, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, what is he urging? Therefore, what? What is he talking about? He's referring back to chapters 1 through 11, where Apostle Paul goes through some very tough doctrinal things. He talks a lot about some practical theological things, how to live, what it, what it means about salvation, what are the consequences of sin, all these things. 
For instance, Romans chapter 1, verses 14 through 17, the Apostle Paul talks about how men, we have turned to our wicked ways. We could see the creation. We can see the invisible qualities of a holy God, but we have turned, we have suppressed the truth, and we have turned to our wicked ways. And when we stand before God one day, we will be without an excuse. Romans chapter 3, verses 10, 11, and 12 says that there is none righteous. No, not even one. We have all turned to our wicked ways. No one is seeking after God. There is none good no not one so david you keep beating me up i got some more romans 3 23 says for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of almighty god romans 6 23 the wages the payment for sin is death destruction damnation aka hell that's what we deserve because of our sin that's what david mcguire deserves because of his sin I've turned to my wicked ways. I'm living in sin. We've all fallen short of God's glory. God's standard is here. We've all fallen short of that, and we're guilty of it. For the payment of our sin is destruction. But God, someone say, but God. But God, say, but God. Those two words in the New Testament are solid gold. Every time you see them, you need to underline them. Every time you see them, you need to circle them. But God, that's Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrated his own love in this way, that while you were yet a sinner, while you were turning into your wicked ways, while you were suppressing the truth and living how you wanted to, while you were falling short of the glory of God, while you were on your way to hell, but God demonstrated his own love in this way, that while you were yet a sinner, Christ came And he died for you. After that, guys, that's a game changer. The Apostle Paul is talking about in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. Now, if you, because you were in your sin, there was nowhere to go but hell. You were completely doomed. But God sent Jesus to be the bridge between humans and heaven. Jesus is the bridge. Now, if you confess your sin and and, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. It's with your heart that you believe that you're justified. Justified, it's just as if I'd never sinned. Justified, and with your mouth that you confess that you're saved. Romans 10, verse 13. And if you confess your sin, right, whoever shall, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So now there's a way out. There's a way out. Jesus is the only way. And the Apostle Paul is saying in chapter 12, he's saying, Therefore, I urge you, in other words, I beg you, I plead with you, have you ever had anybody just come up and like grab your shirt collar and just look you in the face and say, man, please don't do this. Or, man, please, you got to do this. you got to come up here and sing in the choir, right? I did that day for about 10 students. They're like, man, I don't want to sing. Okay, it's fine, it's fine. But here's the deal. Have you ever had someone just come up to you and just say, please, I beg you, I urge you. That's what the Apostle Paul is doing. That's what he's doing, and that's what I'm doing today in view of God's mercy because we could've, he could have just let us go to hell, but he didn't. He sent Jesus. Jesus is the way, he is the the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through Jesus. He is the way. And now he's saying, in view of that, with with the perspective of that, right? Last week, perspective. Look at the perspective from from the scriptures here. In view of God's mercies, because he was merciful. What do you mean mercy, David? You didn't get what you deserved. I didn't get what I deserved. The moment I sin, I deserve hell. Tim, I do. But because of God's common grace, we don't go to hell the moment we sin. God's given us grace. He's a patient God, right? But in view of God's mercy, he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters? He's talking to Christians here, guys. He's talking to Jews that had converted to Christianity. He's talking to pagans who worship many gods and many idols. He's talking about pagans that have now converted to Christianity. But he's saying, I'm urging you, I'm begging you, I beseech you, I'm pleading with you in view of God's mercy because of what he's done in your life. You should offer your bodies, you should offer yourself as a 
living sacrifice. You got to do that. I can't offer your service. I can't offer your body. I can't offer your life to God to use you. I can't be a student of the word for you. You can't ride anybody's coattail into heaven. It's on you. You have to have a personal relationship with Jesus. But he's saying, I'm urging you. Change is personal. It's a personal response to God. After all God's done for me, I'm just going to continue to preach the word. I'm going to continue to love people because God loved me when I was unlovable. He forgave me when I did things that were unforgivable. When I was in sin, he saved me. When I was lost, he found me. And because of his mercy, because of what he's done for me, I'm going to offer myself a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. The Jews that were, the, the, the Christians that were once Jews or the Christians that were once pagans, they understand sacrifice. They knew what Paul was talking about when he said sacrifice. The pagans, man, they had, they had offered oil and, and grain and animals, and, and the Jews had also offered animals and oil and grain to sacrifice to please God. The Jews to please Yahweh, but the pagans to please their God, whatever it may be, Baal or Zeus or Apollo, they were, they were trying to please these other gods. They knew about sacrifice, but here the apostle Paul put a twist on it. He said, yeah, but you're going to offer yourself as a, if I say living, living sacrifice. The sacrifice doesn't physically die but you stay alive to serve God. A living sacrifice. As the band comes, are we doing that? Meaning, every day, every day of our life, are we offering our family, offering our finances, offering our friendships, offering our service to God? Here, Lord, are my talents, my gifts, my abilities. Here's my home, Lord. Here's my vehicle. Here's my dreams. Here's my hopes. Here's my body. Here's everything I have, Lord. I'm offering it to you as a living sacrifice. I want you to use me whatever way you see fit, Lord. Are we doing that? Are we doing that? Because again, guys, it's on you. This is a personal change. Change is possible. You can live your life for God. God wants to live. He wants to live his life through you. The Bible says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. God wants that for you. Change is possible. You can turn your life around. You don't have to keep living the same way you're living. You can turn your life around, and his name is Jesus. You can't do it on your own strength. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit. Change is possible. Change is personal. You have to change. Pastor Mark can't change for me, and I can't change for him, and neither can we change for you guys. It's your responsibility to confess your sin, to give your life to Jesus, to serve him. It's on you. Last one, change is practical. It's sensible, it's useful, it's helpful. If we present our bodies as a holy and living sacrifice unto God, because this is our reasonable service, this is the most logical thing we can do, that God has saved me from hell, so I give my life to him because he deserves all the honor, he deserves all the glory, he deserves all the fame, because he created everything. I didn't create nothing except a mess in my own life, and God has saved me from that mess. And I don't deserve heaven. I don't deserve peace. I don't deserve joy. I don't deserve God's love. Neither do you. But because God is rich in mercy and he's poured these things out on our life, it is the most logical, most sensible thing to do is to point back to him, be a mirror, and shine back to Jesus and give him all the honor and give him all the glory that he so richly deserves. And if we do that, if we say, Lord, here I am, God, use me. Use me, God. Here I am. I'm going to offer myself, my job, my finances, everything about me, Lord. I'm putting it on the table. I'm putting it on the altar before you, God, and I want to serve you in whatever capacity you see fit, God. I'm surrendering my all. I'm standing in all of you. I surrender, God. Then, the Bible says, 
then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. The Bible says that we must be transformed by the renewing of our mind. I looked that word up. Renewing. Basically means to make new. In other words, to remodel. We've all been through a remodel, right? Remodel the bathroom or remodel the living room or remodel an old car that you restored. Out with the old, in with the new, right? Out with the old sheetrock, let's put up brand new sheetrock. Let's paint that sucker. Let's put some crown mold and let's make this thing look gorgeous, right? Out with the old, in with the new. Be transformed, be made new by the renewing of your mind, by letting God remodel your mind, remodel our hearts. How many of us are letting God do that on a daily basis? How many of us are coming to God and say, Lord Jesus, help me see people the way you see people? We're pretty easy to, pretty flippant to get mad at people, aren't we? Right? We go to a restaurant and we don't get things our way. We're like, man, forget this. I'm not leaving a tip because someone maybe made a mistake. How many mistakes have you made? Maybe we get mad at somebody and someone hurts us and we don't forgive them. And we try to withhold that forgiveness. I'm forgiving them. They hurt me or they hurt my friend or they hurt my family. Back up. How many times have you hurt somebody? How many times have you hurt somebody? See, renewing our mind, renewing our mind, remodeling our mind, remodeling the way we think. The only way we do that, guys, is to get in God's Word. Saturate yourself with God's Word. Let God's Word come into your heart, come into your life so that you live it out. I've heard, I've heard Miss Jane Moore say this one time. She said, David, the, the eyes and the ears are the windows to your heart. She's told me that one. I'll never forget it. I wrote it down. Your eyes and your ears are the windows or the doorways into your heart. Whatever you, whatever you speaketh, so, so you are, Jesus said. Whatever comes out of your mouth, that's, what, that's what's in your heart. So to renew, be transformed, be made new, be a new person, a new cre- creature. Be, go through metamorphosis. Be a new person. It's possible only through the power of the Holy Spirit. Only through Jesus. All you got to do is offer yourself. Is, is repent and say, God, I want a new marriage, God. I want new finances, Lord. Or God, I want to I want to be a new person because I'm tired of living in sin. I'm tired of being addicted to things of this world. I love when it says, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world. So many chameleon Christians out there. I'm sick of it. God's not impressed. So many chameleon Christians, all we do is we we look good on the outside, but then we live however we want to during the week. On Sunday, we're like, man, yeah, I'm going to heaven, but during the week, you live as if you're going to hell. People are looking at you. You are a tree, the Bible says. You're growing. You should be flourishing. You should have fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. All of these fruits should be evidence in your life. People should not doubt for one second. Huh, is she or is she not a Christian? I don't know. Because so many times we're we're telling people that we're Christians, but our social media says something completely different. And we're confusing people. We're living a hypocritical life. We're all guilty. Hello, right here. Preacher's got his hand up. We're all guilty of being a hypocrite. But don't live in that lifestyle. Yeah, we're going to mess up from time to time. Yeah, we're going to fall on our face from time to time. We're going to falter. We're going to fall. We're going to mess up. We're going to fail. But then while we're down there, do we just go ahead and say, Dear Lord, be at the altar and say, Dear God. Lord, forgive me of my sin. I've fallen. I failed. I faltered, God. I've gone away from your plan. I've conformed to the patterns of this world, God, and I don't want to. God, help me. Forgive me. Give me that strength, God, to get up and to stand up for you and to not conform any longer to the patterns. I don't want to be a chameleon Christian and just blend in with every group of person that I see in the world. 
make no mistake about it, if you're not going closer to God every day, you're drawn away further from Him. You're only as close to Jesus today as you have chosen to be. It's on you. It's on me. Have you been transformed? If you're not changing into the likeness of Almighty God, living out His perfect will for your life, then the world is squeezing you and molding you into what they want you to be. If you're not changing, because remember what I said at the beginning of the message, change is one thing that will never change. You are changing right now, whether you believe me or not. You are either changing and being shaped and molded into the likeness of Christ, or either you are changing and the world is squeezing you and molding you into what the world wants you to be. Where are you right now? As the band comes, we get ready to stay, as we get ready to, to sing and stand and, and worship Him. Are you being molded into God's likeness? The Bible said we talked about creation all last week, didn't we, Sarah? We talked about creation. We talked about how God created everything at the Rewind Camp. One thing that just hit me last week was that God made us in His image and in His likeness. He didn't make the animals in His image and likeness. He didn't make the trees, the stars, the moon, the sky. He made us, humans, Adam and Eve. He made us. We were fearfully and wonderfully made. Meaning He made us and was in awe, fearfully. He was, wow. Fearfully and wonderfully made, perfect the way that you are. But we were made in His likeness. We were made in the image of Almighty God. That's everybody, by the way. Red or yellow, black and white. They're all made precious in His sight. And guys, if we're made in the image and in the likeness of God and God wants all the glory, guess what? We're made in His image selfishly. We're going to try to want some glory selfishly, right? That's what happened to Satan while he was hurled down out of heaven like a lightning bolt. He fell from heaven with 30 of the angels because he wanted the glory. God deserves all the glory. So if we're made in His image and His likeness, we got to reflect that glory back to Almighty God. Are you after the glory? Or are you pointing the glory back to Him? Therefore, I urge you, because of what God has done in your life, I'm urging you, I'm pleading with you, I'm beseeching you, brethren. Brothers and sisters in Christ, in view of God's mercy, that He didn't give you what you deserved, but instead He gave you His love and His grace. I'm urging you to offer your bodies, offer your everyday living, your everyday activity, offer it to God as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to Almighty God. For this is your reasonable, your logical, your, this is your reasonable service unto Him. This is your true and your proper worship to Him. But do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world. And so easily, guys, we are a culture that just wants to look like the world and dress like the world and act like the world and talk like the world and post things online like the world, and yet we will still want to be a Christian. That's not how it works. God is not impressed with you. You're not psyching him out, though you may be fooling a lot of people in here. You're not fooling God. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but instead be transformed, be made new. Give God your mind, give him your heart, give him your body and say, Lord, remodel me. Maybe that's your prayer today. Lord, remodel me. Out with the old, in with the new. My marriage isn't working. My finances aren't working. This whole thing called life, my job, my career, my children, it's just not working the way I'm doing it, God. How about you just say, Lord, transform me by the renewing of my mind. Renew my thoughts, Lord. Saturate me, God, with your word. God, help me to give me a better prayer life. Lord, give me an eagerness and a zeal and a passion to know you. Give me that passion, dear God. He will. He will. If you seek him, you will find him. If you seek him with what? With all of your heart. Every head bowed, every eye closed.
Are you seeking God today with all of your heart? So, David, I want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind because I want to know God's will. Isn't that the big question of life? Number one, what is my purpose in life? And number two, what is God's will for my life? We've all wondered that. I myself have wondered that. God, what is your will for my life? Notice the Bible says his good will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. God's will is not always fun. God's will is not always easy. But I can promise you, God's will is always good. He worketh all things out for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. God's will for your life is good. Pleasing, the Bible says. That means it's acceptable. It pleases God. When you're living and walking in the way that he would have you to live, in the way that he would have you to walk, it pleases God. It's a sweet-smelling aroma to his nostrils. It is acceptable worship to God. It will satisfy you. Perfect will. It is complete. It is mature. Transformation will make you mature. It will grow you up. You want to know God's will for your life? His good, pleasing, and perfect will? If that's you, let me just tell you. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is the most logical thing you can do because of God's mercy. I'm begging you. You want to know God's will. You offer your bodies, offer your everyday life to Him, to serve Him, to do whatever He's called you to do.